Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But this week, I want to hit something that I think we get confused in church. Have you ever heard this comment? Well, you know, everything's okay, but that person, they just, they have a little bit of like a, a heart condition. You ever heard that? Like they got, they, they struggling with something in their heart. Like they, they can't. They can't love people well, or they're, or they're struggling with different things. There, there's something going on in their heart. They have a, a heart condition. And, you know, for the longest time, I thought that the concept that was there was an aspect of how we love. Like, like the person just doesn't know how to love. Maybe they've never experienced love or been demonstrated love, or, or the experiences they've had has been a little bit different. And I always assume when we think about heart that I think about love. But the reality is, is, is coming across Scripture and studying and getting ready for this summer, I've realized that that's really not the issue. If you were to think about love, Scripture tells us that God is love. And so anything that has to do with love, we can directly go back to the concept that God is the author. He's the perfecter of not just our faith, but he lets us know exactly what love is. And with that being said, love has everything to do with God, but there's something different that has to be in our heart in order for us to move forward when it comes to loving people and allowing ourselves to be loved. And I want to hit that topic today. But it's one of those things that the word that I want us to kind of focus on is one simple word, and I think it's what holds us back the most. In fact, I would tell you that I don't believe love can exist without this word in your life. The word that I want us to focus on today is the word forgiveness. See, I don't believe you can love somebody if you have unforgiveness towards that person. In fact, in Matthew, this scripture's not on, but just to start out how it started in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to the Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven, or 77 times. All right, but I'm just giving you a little bit of information to let you understand so that when Jesus is replying to Peter, this aspect of how many times should you forgive your brother, and he says 77, what he's saying is, you should do it now, you should do it later, and you should keep on doing it. Like there's a never, ever, ever a time that forgiveness is not a real good option because you can't love somebody and have unforgiveness towards them. It's not possible. And then he goes into this amazing parable. And I just want us to spend just a few minutes. Not going to be a real long message today because the word speaks for itself. But listen to this amazing parable. Therefore, verse 23, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, can I just pause for a minute? Because we will go through that and go, okay, 10,000 talents, well, what, what's the big deal about that? Let me give you a little bit of an understanding of another biblical metrics here, okay? Talents in biblical time was a measure of something that you would earn. And a talent would basically be the equivalent of 20 years of wages, all right? Roughly 20 years of wages. Now, 20 years of wages would roughly be around $600,000 in today's time. And so when he says that I'm going to do this 10 times, he's given the aspect of being roughly around $6 billion. 
$6 billion in today's economy. Here's what you need to know. Bottom line, there was a gentleman that had, an, had a debt that was so large that it was impossible for him to pay it. That's what he's saying. And so he goes to him, and he's, and he's asking for this. And he turns around, and he says, And since he cannot pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. But right beside there, when he says, Give me some time, I'll repay you. Right beside there, if you have your Bible, write the word lie. That was a flat-out lie. He had a debt that there was never going to be a way he could ever repay. If somebody came to you and said, okay, I figured out you owe me roughly $6 billion. And you say, huh, just give me a little bit of time and I'll repay you. Come on. Now, let's just be honest. If you had anywhere close to the ability to give me $6 billion, then you probably would be able to give me something. But you've given me nothing. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to implore me to let me know that now that your, your debt has come to like, okay, it's time to cash this in. You need to pay your debt. Now all of a sudden you're going, oh, no, no, I, I promise you can count on me. If you will give me, don't, don't sell me off, don't sell my wife, don't sell my children. Please, I implore you, if you will give me some time, I will pay you everything that I owe you. Again, that was a lie. He is literally just throwing out words. He's trying to figure out some way to get this gentleman to let him off the hook. Because he knows that he has a debt that he's not ever going to pay. Now, can I chase a real quick rabbit trail? What's not in this story that I'm so, so curious about, boy, I'd love to know how he got that much in debt. Like, what in the world did he do to get into this situation? And you know what? It doesn't tell us. All it lets us know is that there was a man, because it's a parable, right? It's something that God is using a story to teach biblical truth. And what he's letting them know is, you know what, the bottom line is here's a gentleman who has a debt that's impossible for him to pay, but that doesn't keep him from begging. That doesn't keep him from begging for his life. That doesn't keep him from begging for his wife's life. It doesn't keep him from begging for his children's life. He realizes despite the choices that he has, he will do whatever it takes to save his life. Let's continue the story. Verse 25, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had, and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, I got really intrigued with this part because there's not too many times in God's word that you see the word pity. Like, I was thinking, like, you know, out of grace, out of love, out of being a real good guy, out of the kindness of his heart. Now, he said pity. So, being the really intelligent person that I am, I said, what does pity mean? Can I read for you out of the dictionary? 
pity, to feel sorrow for someone else's misfortunes. Now, can I just pause for a minute? One of the things that we want to make sure that we do during this summer of love is not to get so caught up in our own lives that we don't notice other people's lives as well. And at some point, we think of pity as being this negative, horrible word. But the reality is, is, is you know what? To notice somebody and to notice their situation is never a bad thing. And I think for some times, we need to, one, look at our own lives and see where we are. But we also need to stop and look at our brothers' and sisters' lives, our friends' lives, other people's lives, and see where they are. And rather than just being like, oh, man, you got yourself into this, you're going to have to get yourself out, to actually say, you know what, man, I, I kind of, man, I, I'm, I hate that they're in this situation. Man, I, I hate this. That's exactly what's going on with this master. He sees what's going on. He realizes this dude ain't never going to be able to repay me this. And he feels pity. He says, you know what, I, I, I hate that you're in this unfortunate situation. So what does he do? He says, well, I'll change it. You're forgiven. You're done. All of a sudden, I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine somebody coming to you and saying, you owe me $6 billion. Man, that's unfortunate for you. And he said, but you know what? I'll do something about it. It's done. I'll put it in real terms. For all of you guys that, that have a mortgage with your house, could you imagine if tomorrow in the mail, the bank said, hey, you know what? You have your own house now. You owe us nothing else. I forgive you. Like Everybody's like, where do I get that letter from? <laughs> and what bank is that? For the first time, this will be the most shared message ever on our, on our different social media outlets. Everybody's going to be sharing it with their banker tomorrow. Pastor said for you to send me. Like, could you imagine? Think about the bricks. Think about the weight. Think about the debt. Think, and it doesn't have to be anything huge, right? It could be anything. Anytime we owe somebody something, Scripture says we become enslaved to the lender. And it can be something like a mortgage that, that you have to have. A lot of people are like, well, no, I've worked hard and paid off my house. That a baby. Keep it up. It could be a car. It could be a motorcycle. It could be a friend. Anytime we owe somebody something, there's like this, like this awkwardness that we, like it's not terrible, but it's just like you just know like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, I, I still owe them. Like I can't, like we, we just, I owe you. And for somebody to say, you know what, you, ain't, you don't owe me nothing. I want you to know that that's, that's done. It's, it's forgiven. It's like, are you serious? Yes. And it's like, whew. That's what just happened to this slave. This man just got sent home in the $6 billion that he owed has been forgiven. Imagine how he's going to react. Well, Scripture tells us how he reacts. It's an amazing story, starting in verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, let me give you the equivalent of this. A hundred denarii in today's time would roughly be $12,000. All of a sudden, well, okay, now I, that's manageable. I may not have it right now. 
but that's manageable. It's not six billion, it's it's twelve thousand. Like I, I can figure out a few things. In today's economy, I, I've got to figure out a way to, to $250 a week for one year. And I can pay this off in one year. That's that's manageable. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say like, oh, I mean, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. The bottom line is, it was something that was able to be paid. Six billion? You, you ain't repaying that. It's not possible for you to repay that debt. 12,000? You, you can make that happen. And listen to what he does with this servant. You may have read this story before, but please hang with me who owed him a hundred denarii. And then listen to how he reacted. And that slave seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, just like he had just done with the other master. Have patience with me, and I will repay you. Now, if you have your papal Bible, right above that one, truth. Originally, the first slave owed six billion. It says, dude, have patience with me. I'm going to repay you. That's a lie. There was nothing he was ever going to be able to do to repay that debt. This servant says, man, be patient with me. I'm going to repay you everything. That's actually the truth. But he rejects it. And listen to what he does. He refuses, and he put, he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now, obviously... If you were in a situation where you just got repaid by being forgiven $6 billion and all your people had seen this, and all of a sudden you go walking back up in the house and you go over to somebody else that now owes you money, that owes you $12,000, and you say, hey, give me my money. And they go, I ain't got your money. And all of a sudden you grab a hold of this person you start choking him. You put your hands on that person. You start rebuking that person. You start screaming at that person. You start saying, give me my money. What do you think the people around you are going to think? Let me tell you what these people thought. This is the part that hit me. I've read this account in the biblical so many times, but I never caught this one part. Listen, here's where everything changed in verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, uh, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Catch this. The master forgives for $6 billion. Says, you're good. Out of sight, out of mind. Never going to approach the guy ever again. He's not watching him. He's not stalking him. He has no idea what's going on in that slave's life. But when that slave turns around and goes around his peers who have heard the story of how he's been forgiven of $6 billion, and he seizes this other servant for 12000 do you know who it bothers the most? It wasn't the master that it bothered. It was the fellow servants. The other peers saw what was going on, and they said, my goodness, this ain't right. How in the world could this guy who just got forgiven $6 billion throw such a fit over the $12,000? So they go and they grab the master. He said, you ain't going to believe what's happened. You remember that slave? That slave that you forgave the 10 talents, the $6 billion? He just snatched up one of our friends and just threw him in jail over $12,000. let us read the rest of the story. 
starting in verse 32. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay off his debt. Verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, he's, he's telling them a parable about money because when we start talking about money, we get everybody's ear. Like, I can understand six, well, I can't understand six billion. That, that, that's a big number. But I can understand debt. And I can understand a debt that seems bigger than you can pay, and I can understand a debt that seems that you can pay. But he's doing this in a parable not to teach us about how to handle our money. He's doing this in a parable talking about money so that you'll understand the aspect of forgiveness. The bottom line is this. If you had a debt that you couldn't pay and somebody forgive you of that debt, then wouldn't you, in return, be very gracious and, re and forgive other people of a debt if they had the same issue? For example, if you had an issue in a relationship, maybe there's something that you had done wrong, so therefore you needed forgiveness to have a relationship with that person. And if he forgave you of that debt, even though you didn't have the ability to do it, then wouldn't you with other people in relationships be very generous the way that you forgave them if there was an issue in that relationship? See, biblically speaking, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I, I want to chase this, another quick rabbit. People tell me all the time, all sin is equal in God's eyes. Like, I, like murdering and stealing a piece of bubble gum is the same thing. Listen to me. That's a lie. Shooting somebody and stealing a piece of three-cent bubble gum ain't the same thing. But what it's talking about from a biblical concept is that in God's eyes, it's the same thing because any sin causes separation from the Lord. It doesn't matter if that sin was shooting somebody or if that sin was a little white lie just to get away with something. Once you have sinned, you have now have this chasm, you have this separation because God cannot have a relationship with sin, that you need forgiveness. And it's a debt, like you, you can't repay it. In fact, there, there's two ways. You can be perfect. Scripture says that you can be perfect and your debt will be forgiven. Well, most of us have already missed out on that. Or you can fall on the grace who was perfect. Jesus Christ. And it says that he will forgive you of your sins and he will put them as far as the east is from the west. Now listen to this. If I had a debt because of my sin that I couldn't repay, but God paid that debt for me and said it's washed away, that through Jesus you can now have a relationship with me, then how in the world can I go over here to these earthly relationships and have somebody that wrongs me and tell them that I can't forgive you? You, you don't understand over here. Boy, this, this gets emotional, doesn't it? Like, Mickey, you don't know my life. You don't know some of the things people have done to me. You don't even know some of these situations. Like, you're talking about something you don't know anything about. Like, there are things that people have done to me that I haven't deserved any of it. Like, I was born into this situation. 
It has nothing to do with anything that I've decided. I have consequences in my life from people that have chosen to do things, and I had nothing to do with it. Are you about to tell me today that I got to forgive those people? No, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that God said, you have a debt to have a relationship with me that you're never going to pay. And you can beg and you can plead and you can say, oh, give me time, I'll repay this debt. And he's like, no, you ain't. You a liar. But I'll send my son Jesus who will die on a cross that will be the forgiveness of your debt. And through accepting Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then you know what? It's done. In fact, it's so amazing. Not only do I forgive the things you've done wrong, but I even forgive the things you're going to do wrong. Like this, this forgiveness, is, it, it transcends time. It covers the sins that you had before knowing Jesus. It covers the sins of when you are accepting Jesus. And it forgives you even 10 years down the road. Like it, my, my dad used to joke around with me. Now, he never did this, but he used to joke around. He'd be like, all right, y'all come in the room. I'm going to give you a spanking. I'm like, what do we do? You ain't done nothing yet, but I know you're going to do something, so let's go ahead and get this out of the way. And, and it was funny until I thought, like, I thought like, yeah, I think the man's real. Like, he really finna do this, you know? Jesus' forgiveness not only forgives you from the past. It's called a present active indicative is the verb. In Greek life, it's a present active indicative. It's something that started, that continues, and it never stops. His forgiveness is something that starts when you accept him, and it keeps going, and it never stops for the rest of your life. What happens if, if I have sin in my life and I die? It's forgiven. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he says, I forgive the whole debt. Not just a part of it. Not just the current. I forgive the whole debt. Chase a real quick rabbit. This is the reason why you can't lose your salvation. Because to be able to lose your salvation is not to limit you, it's to limit God. Because when God died on a cross, he died so that all may be saved. It transcended time. So there's not this point in your life that all of a sudden you can do so much that like, oh my gosh, I've lost my salvation. Not possible. The only way to lose your salvation would be to denounce your faith and to totally walk away from Jesus Christ. So no matter what's going on in your life, just like there's, there's no separation in the sin, guess what? His forgiveness, it, it covers it all. It covers the three-cent bubble gum. And it covers murdering. I'm just letting you know, that, that's, what, that's what God did for you. He gave you forgiveness for a situation that you don't have the ability to gain forgiveness for. So let's go back to this emotional moment over here because this gets tough. So, so how do I handle these earthly relationships? When we talk about money, and I talked about leaving a $6 billion debt and going and snatching somebody over $12,000, everybody in the room probably thought, what a wicked person. He was talking about us. How can a people that has been forgiven so much harbor unforgiveness so often? See, the summer of love, and this is as heavy as it's going to be this year, all right? 
But there has to be this major shift in your life. I heard a person tell me, he said, unforgiveness is like sipping poison. It may not kill you right now, but you will get sick and you will die eventually. And I don't think most of us in the room, I don't think we have a heart condition like we don't want to love people. I think we have a heart issue because we don't know how to forgive people. And I want to give you an opportunity today to let that stuff go. It's emotional for me because I see your faces. Like for some of you in the room, if I put a mic down here and let you start sharing your story, for some of you in the room, you're frustrated not with an earthly person, you're frustrated with God himself. Because you wonder why some of the things have happened in your life. Can I give you some more scripture? This is out of Philippians. He says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. I don't know what situation you're in right now. I don't know people that you have in your life right now. I don't know situations with your parents or step-parents or or, or previous relationships, or previous marriages, or, 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 or ex-spouses, or, or I, don't, I have no idea. You may, you, may have had, whew, you may have had somebody that was abusive to you. You see, Mickey, where's the line? Where's the line that I don't have to be forgiven? Like, where's the line that I don't have to be a forgiving person? Where's the line that God's up there saying, no, no, now for you, that's okay. Like if I was you, I wouldn't forgive that. There's not a line. There's only forgiveness. I promise that the more you deal with the forgiveness issue, the more you'll start realizing what love and how to love really works. I know people that literally have not talked to other people for years. And if you were to talk to them, they say, oh, yeah, we don't talk. Why not? Well, we, we, got, we had some stuff happen in our life several years ago. What stuff? It's, it's too difficult to remember. Well, give me a shot. No, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, well, I want to talk about it. Can you just help me out? Just tell. And finally, they'll just say, I, I don't remember. To be honest with you, it's been so long. I don't even know why we started fighting. All I know is that we are fighting, and by golly, I'm going to win. And so I ain't talked to her in five years, and I ain't planning on talking to her today. You know, my phone can ring just as much as her phone can ring. Keep sipping on that poison. See, like today's message is one of those messages you're like, gum, man, just when you think you get over something, then somebody says something like this, and all those feelings come back up, don't they? Can I tell you there's a better alternative? Just forgive. You see, Mickey, how do I forgive? So do I need to write them a letter? Do I need to call them? Do I need to go over? No hey, I want to come tell you I forgive you. And which they're like, 
what are you forgiving me for? Well, that's not important. I just want you to know that I took the high road because I love Jesus more than you, and I'm forgiving you. <laughs> Here's the hot ash coal on your head, and I'm leaving. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you living a life and buying into this aspect of summer of love when you start loving people so well, which means you forgive them whether they ever ask for it or not. You forgive them whether you even say something or not. You forgive them even if you never. Some of us, notice I said us. Some of us, forgiveness lies in a grave because that person's long past but we still carry hurts and struggles, don't we? I can identify with that one. But you know what's crazy? I can also forgive that too. Let me, let me tell you what I wrote in my notes. Very simple. We don't have a love issue. We have a forgiveness issue. And I, did, I just want to challenge you. I just want to very lovingly and kindly pull on you. And I want to make you leave here today and ask yourself a question. If not now, when? Like this whole, like, Nick, you don't understand. You know, I, I ain't never, man, you don't understand how bad they hurt me. You don't have, how's that working out for you? I mean, honestly, like, I'm not being facetious. I'm not being rude. I'm not being callous. I'm not being, not under, I'm, like, honestly. How, how's that working out for you? I know that sometimes, like, days like today that can be a little bit emotional. Yes, I'm talking about allowing the God that, that gave everything and paid a debt that you couldn't pay to allow you to forgive a debt that you don't feel like, like you should have to forgive. But today's a day of, of learning how to love because we're not harboring unforgiveness. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.